Welcome back, everybody. Episode 24. We're going to talk about leadership confidence today. Uh, sorry for the break in episodes. Uh, it's been really busy working up for a deployment, uh, which is coming up soon. So uh, regular episodes haven't been as regular as I would like them to be. Uh, but we're coming back with episode 24 today. Got a couple more outlines in the pipeline that I want to get out before I actually go uh, deploy. So let's knock this one out. Uh, I mean, it's history segments coming up first. So we're going to talk about Admiral David Farragut and the Battle of Mobile Bay. Something you've probably heard before, the saying, damn, the torpedoes, full speed ahead, uh, talking about the USS Hartford. Something that's pretty cool to me, I actually got, was able to get my hands on a menu from the ship right before they decommissioned uh, one of their farewell uh, uh, meals. And so it's a pretty cool piece of naval history, uh, and it's a story you've probably heard about before. It's something that I, if you're unfortunate enough to be in like a junior state of the quarter board or something with me, uh, it's a question you're probably going to hear. So uh, David Farragut was an accomplished U.S. Naval officer who received great acclaim for his service to the Union during the American Civil War from 1861 to 1865. Farragut commanded the Union blockade of southern ports, helped capture the Confederate city of New Orleans, and provided support for General Ulysses S. Grant, Siege of Vicksburg. Uh, Farragut is best known for his victory at the Battle of Mobile Bay in August of 1864, during which he commanded his fleet to ignore Confederate defenses in the harbor, famously proclaiming, damn the torpedoes, full speed ahead. Farragut was befriended as a youth in New Orleans by Captain, later Commodore, David Porter of the U.S. Navy, uh, who adopted him. Farragut served under Porter aboard the frigate Essex in the War of 1812. This vessel captured so many British whaling vessels that Farragut, then age 12, was put in charge of one of the prize ships. By the age of 20, he was already an accomplished ship's officer. In 1823, he served under Porter in a squadron that suppressed pirates in the Caribbean. He was given his first independent command in 1824. Uh, a fun fact, Admiral Farragut entered the U.S. Navy at the age of nine, and just two years later served in the War of 1812, which we just talked about. By the time he was 12, he had risen to the rank of prize master, the officer in charge of captured ships. In December 1861, after many years of routine service, Farragut was assigned to command the Union Blockading Squadron in the western Gulf of Mexico with orders to enter the Mississippi River and capture New Orleans, a port through which the South was receiving much of its war supplies from abroad. Although the War Department had recommended that he first reduce the two forts that lay some distance downstream of the city by mortar fire, he successfully carried out his own bolder plan of running past them with guns blazing in the dark, April 24th of 1862. His naval force then destroyed most of the Confederate River Squadron that was stationed upstream of the forts. Troops from the Union transports could then land almost under Farragut's protecting batteries, resulting in the surrender of both forts and city. The following year, when Ulysses, or the following year, when General Ulysses S. Grant was advancing toward Vicksburg, Mississippi, Farragut greatly aided him by passing the heavy defensive works at Port Hudson below the Red River and stopping Confederate traffic below the tributary. Vicksburg fell in July 1863, and the entire Mississippi River was soon in federal control. Farragut next turned his attention to Mobile Bay, Alabama, which was defended by several forts, the largest of which was Fort Morgan. A line of mines, or torpedoes, on one side of the bay's channel obliged any attacking ship to pass close to Fort Morgan on the other side of the channel, and the Confederate ironclad Tennessee was also stationed in the bay. Farragut's force entered the bay in two columns on August 5, 1864, with armored monitors leading and a fleet of wooden frigates following. When the lead monitor Tecumseh was demolished by a mine, the leading wooden ship, Brooklyn, stopped in alarm, and the whole line of ships drifted in confusion under the very guns of Fort Morgan. As disaster seemed imminent, Farragut shouted his famous words, Damn the torpedoes, full speed ahead, 
to the hesitating Brooklyn. He swung his own ship, the Hartford, clear and headed across the mines, which failed to explode. The rest of the fleet followed and anchored above the forts. Then the Tennessee emerged from the shelter of the fort, and after a hard fight during which it repeatedly rammed, it surrendered. The forts were now isolated and surrendered one by one, with Fort Morgan being the last to do so. This battle was the capstone of Farragut's career, but poor health precluded further active service. Having become a rear admiral in 1862 and a vice admiral in 1864, he was made full admiral in 1866. Uh, He went the next year to Europe and paid ceremonial visits to the seaports of the great powers. And he's also known as the Navy's first admiral. Uh, So that's a fun fact as well. So why did I pick this one? Well, because we're talking about leadership confidence. What did Admiral Farragut do in the face of adversity in the face of the plan failing and the mission failing, he displayed incredible, ridiculous confidence in which he put himself in harm's way, knowing full well those mines could have exploded and said, damn the torpedoes full speed ahead, drove his ship through mined waters and led the attack, which ended with Fort Morgan surrendering. So it's pretty incredible. And that's why that one popped into my head when I decided I was going to talk about leadership confidence in this episode. Um, It related really, really closely. And I thought it was a good one. Uh, So like I said previously, we're going to talk about leadership confidence saying confidence in leadership is almost as important as competence for leadership. Um, It's important for junior sailors to understand that by stretching themselves, forcing themselves outside of their comfort zones to grow in their leadership confidence in order to become more effective leaders for their charges is essential. It's incredibly important that learning this confidence is that's how you get your message across. And we're going to talk about that. Uh, confidence for me has been a roller coaster. Uh, I've been thinking about it a lot lately because I just got to a new command and it coincides with very obvious progressions and changes in your military career, right? So promotions, experiences, new positions, qualifications, and like I just said, new duty stations, which is where I'm at now. Uh, when something's new to somebody, their confidence is low. And, and they, when you get reps in time, they get experience in that competency. Uh, then we feel that confidence rise. We become confident in that task. And leadership's no different. For me, I still distinctly recall my nervousness when I checked in to be the LPO on my first submarine. Uh, the first day I came to work wearing anchors and was still afraid to go into the chief's mess without like knocking on the door. Uh, the first day at, at my new command three months ago, uh, everyone has peaks and valleys in, in this area in confidence. And understanding the importance of confidence, you can begin minimizing the size and duration of those valleys and you can begin leveraging this extremely important tool to deliver your message. Uh, so like always, I just want to plug really quickly, uh, as we go through these topics, as we go through spin the arms and everything else, if you guys got anything, requests, uh, questions, criticism, whatever, uh, hit us up. You can get a hold of us on Facebook. You can direct message us on Instagram at DGuts Podcast, or you can send us an email, don't give up the ship podcast at gmail.com. So main point number one, let's talk about what leadership confidence is. All right, confidence in leadership, it seems obvious, right? It's, it's just being confident, but there's more to it than that. When I think about confidence, I always find myself thinking about how my sailors view me, how I'm perceived. How are they receiving me? Am I effective? Confidence for me comes from power bases. And I'm gonna break all of these down. So uh, the six power bases that I'm thinking about when I think about confidence are expertise or expert power, legitimate power, uh, reward, referent power, coercive power, and then informational. Uh, These power bases, theoretically, are the reasons people will follow me uh, and people will follow you. 
the more power bases I have command of uh, and that I've developed, the more pe willing people are going to be to follow me. And in that way, I believe I in turn gain confidence as I gain these power bases. The more command I have over them, the more confidence I gain in my own leadership. Uh, and I'll also discuss the importance of communication to this end, of communicating that confidence to the people you're leading. Right. So let's start with expertise or expert power. Uh, expertise is the first power base that we learn, that we're exposed to, maybe right up there with legitimate, which is like rank and stuff, and I'll get into that next. Uh, but expertise is what you think it is. It's expertise in your own field. It's technical expertise. Uh, and as chiefs, it's incredibly important that we're both institutional and technical experts, and you've probably heard that before, and if you haven't, you will. The difference is that institutional expertise is big Navy, the institution being the United States Navy. So think career development program, command fitness program, fleet and family support resources, uh, pay issues, anything that you, any issue that you have that's big Navy stuff that uh, you, you come to your chief for and you expect them to know the answer or at least know where to find it, right? As technical experts, this is being the go-to resource for our career field or rating, uh, even though we, we're leaned on as leaders and institutional experts, we're also expected to maintain an extremely high bar for our technical knowledge and our ratings. And we also have the most experience. Uh, so our commanding officers come to us for the answers. So we better have them. Uh, it's, it's a lot. And that's why I tell all my new and aspiring chiefs out there, everyone wants to make chief, but not a lot of people really want to be the chief because it's hard on purpose. So legitimate power being next. This is the, the one that we probably, from day one, were exposed to first uh, legitimate power is derived from rank or position. It's legitimate in that I am literally in the position to have power over you. Uh, this power, this is the power you see abused most commonly. Uh, and as I said, it's probably what we learned first, right next to expertise. Like the first day on deck at RTC, we're in boot camp, and we learn really, really quickly as soon as we step off the bus that RDCs have legit power over us, right? <laughs> like you remember all of it, eight count bodybuilders, the whole, the whole nine yards. Uh, so we get exposed to that very early on and very quickly. And then even the recruits are put in leadership positions where they're giving some positional but legitimate power. So reward power, right? We all like rewards. We all want rewards, whether we're internally or externally motivated. Eventually, we all want our hard work to be validated. We want someone to recognize that all this hard work that we're putting in is valuable to the organization. Whether at lower levels where you can simply pass someone on the back and give verbal praise or all the way up to my level with liberty, promotion ratings and evaluations and literal awards, writing of awards like Navy achievement medals, right? Uh, reward power can be very powerful through positive reinforcement of the behaviors we want from our teams. Uh, so reward power is a big one. Referent power, so this base of power is rooted in a sense of belonging to a group or community, right? That's something that I've talked about before, making people feel like they have a sense of belonging, like they're welcome as part of that team, right? So this is something that can, like all power bases, go both ways. Uh, however, in its positive form, referent power can be leveraged by creating a sense of belonging to the team and making them feel like they're a valuable contributor to it. Uh, the more needed we feel, the more likely we are to contribute to the team through our, through our performance. Uh, it's that sense of ownership and we want our team invested. Coercive power. Coercive power is generally not positive in nature. It's about what you think it is. Uh, this is someone's power to punish. So my ability to counsel someone or assign extra military instruction or EMI and eventually discipline them through disciplinary review boards or DRBs and then obviously captain's mass. Uh, we never want to go there. We, we want to exhaust every other option that we possibly can before we get to a course of power. Uh, but sometimes we have to. Sometimes our hands are forced and it can be the course correction a sailor needs to get back on track. But it's a last resort and we never enjoy doing it. I, I promise you that. It's never fun for us or for the member being punished.
And then last, we're on informational power. So information is a tricky one. This is one that was added later on when they first established the five power bases. Uh, but it's probably one you've seen. It's probably most commonly seen on the deck plate through gossip or scuttlebutt, right? Uh, someone can influence others' perception of what's happening or perception of a person through manipulating information, true or false. Uh, when I think about it, I, there's that negative portion that we probably see a lot, right? When things turn into a popularity contest or it becomes the, the personal and social issues that are not necessarily work-related, but they can infect the workspace. But when I think about it, I think about my ability to provide perspective. Uh, at your level as junior sailors, your worldview is limited. I can provide you perspective because I have access. Uh, I can take the time to explain why, to provide you understanding and buy-in. I can give you the information to provide context so that you can take increased ownership. And if need be, at my level, I can shield you from information to keep you focused on the task at hand. Uh, that happens more than you think it does. So good chiefs, good leadership, being at their level, there's certain information that they should be funneling to you, that they should be transparent about. There is other information that you just don't need to know and that if you did, it would be detrimental to the mission, to the team, and to, to your own confidence, right? Uh, so just be aware of that, that that happens, that your chief sometimes takes it in the teeth uh, and shields you from a lot of bad stuff. Uh, I'm going to leave that at that for now. Communication. All right, so how does this, how is this all linked? We talked about these power bases, but then how do I communicate my confidence? Uh, I, you know, I think what pulls it all together is this piece. How do I communicate my confidence to you? Do I communicate my confidence? That's something I need to evaluate. Or am I coming across as uncertain and meek or muddled? Uh, confidence is my delivery of the message. And it's, an, it's, it's as important as the message because if I don't communicate the message effectively, confidently, then you don't receive it and there is no message. There is no message if I don't communicate it effectively and confidently. Uh, so to break this down, I wanna talk about verbal communication first. So actual verbal communication, the spoken word, it's very important. A command of the English language, a vocabulary, and the proper use of it is extremely important to how you are perceived and received, how your message is received. If I'm not properly articulating my point, there's a communication block, and you're not getting what I need you to. Uh, if you're cursing, which is something I struggle with, even though you don't hear it on this podcast, in real life, it's something that I have to work on uh, all the time. If you're cursing every other word or misusing words, your charges are, to put it simply, going to think you're dumb. They're going to think that you don't know what you're doing, that you don't know what you're talking about. So take the time to learn. Reading and speaking are the best possible ways to expand your knowledge of our language. So study it while studying your craft. So the written word, written language is closely connected to verbal in that your command of writing affects both your ability to get your point across and to be taken seriously. So I can't count the number of times I've received an email written like a third grader texted it to me, okay? Or an illicit evaluation with the wrong use of words or rampant misspelling and grammar errors. Reading is an excellent tool to learn this as well. Proper writing is generally found in, the, in texts you should be studying anyway. So while pulling away the lessons from those texts, pay attention to the structure of them. Also, write, write things, write papers, essays, notes, evaluations, awards, practice those things. You'll be doing it more and more as you rise through the ranks and it's incredibly important to your charge's career progression. So take the time to learn this skill. Also, get in the correspondence manual. That's a book, it's a real book. It's a second manual, it's on NPC. Check out the Navy correspondence manual. That will help you not just with 
normal command of the English language, right? But it will help you format Navy-specific correspondence. And again, as you rise through the ranks, I can't stress enough how valuable that skill is. So now nonverbal communication, right? The unspokens. These things kill me sometimes, and I know everybody struggles with them, whether they know they are or not. Uh, I have the habit to communicate more with my tone or my body language than with my actual verbiage. Uh, I've worked really hard on it, uh, on, on correcting my deficiencies in this area over the years, and I continue to work on it, even now as a senior chief. That's how important it is. You, your nonverbals communicate what you really mean, in that a tremendous amount of what people hear you say, you never actually said. That's how important, like, they got it all from your body language and the look on your face, right? And your tone. So you spoke it through your appearance, through that tone, through your body positions and language, not through the words. So take the time to learn how you do this. Ask people, get peer reviews, get, get that feedback. Have your peers point out things you can do when you're communicating to the team. Videotape yourself if you can, right? I know like in my work area, cameras aren't always allowed, but still, when I went to the Navy's instructor school, they took a video of our very first presentation and then played it back for us like wow like you, you you have no idea what you're actually saying when communicating to a group especially if you get nervous in a public speaking type setting right um but take advantage of all the fantastic technology you guys have around you i know everybody's got a smartphone in their pocket uh and video yourself presenting something anything right video yourself doing quarters whatever it takes but i'm telling you the perspective you'll get in how your sailors perceive you will harshly adjust your worldview the feedback is incredible that you get I, like there are even going through editing this podcast i say you know all the time i say um and i edit them out right uh i say okay i say all kinds of crazy stuff and i edit a lot of those out sometimes i leave it in if, it, if i feel like it fits but i do it a lot when i'm public speaking and, and when i'm recording this podcast even and you don't know until you listen back you don't feel like you're doing it so get that feedback get that uh get that really valuable feedback from a video or recording or just from your peers so now, let's stitch this all together. Like, why should you care about leadership confidence? How is this valuable to you in the execution of your daily routine, of your job as a junior level leader or a senior leader, right? Confidence in leadership inspires confidence in followership. Eleanor Roosevelt said, a good leader inspires people to have confidence in the leader. A great leader inspires people to have confidence in themselves. Your ability to lead, your confidence in your ability to lead, your confidence in your command of the six power bases, your confidence in your communication to your charges will be what inspires them to follow, to accomplish the mission. It's tremendously important. It's how we influence our charges to develop, to grow, and to eventually take our places. Leadership confidence should be a main thread woven throughout every leadership lesson we pass on to future leaders, and your understanding of it will make that possible. So it's conclusion time already, right? We talked about what the six power bases are and how they relate to one another and how they relate to leadership confidence. How are the various forms of communication affect that confidence? And then why you should care about your leadership confidence. Uh, junior sailors needing to understand this and the far reaching impact of leadership confidence, both in the position of a leader and as a follower in order to develop into future leaders themselves, in, in, in order to develop into my relief. Uh, this topic is close to my heart because it's what they see. What you put forth is what they see. What they see is what we are as leaders. What they see is what they become. If you're not in it to build them up, to set the standards, to train them, and to push them to be the best, better than us, then what are you doing? 
This is why I get fired up about uniform appearance. This is why I'm a passionate learner. This is why I'm borderline workaholic, because they deserve it. I tell my future chiefs, they are entitled to it. My charges are absolutely entitled to the best possible leader I can be, period. If that means I'm here late, fine. If that means I stay up late maintaining my uniform, done. If that means I have to spend more time than I'd like explaining something to a sailor, counseling a sailor, teaching a sailor when I'm tired, when I'm wrung out, when I want to go home and collapse on the couch with my fiance, bring it. This is too important. What we leave behind is our responsibility. It's a direct, blunt, explicit reflection of our investment. What are you leaving behind? What impact did you have? How prepared are they to follow behind you and succeed? How prepared are they to outpace you, to outgrow you? That's the mission. That's why we do this. That's why I do this. That's why I beat on this keyboard and microphone. I want to know without any inkling of a doubt that modest though it may be, I gave everything I have to these kids, every drop. I can't do it if I'm not self-aware, if I'm blind and ignorant, if I'm not conscious of how I'm perceived. And I cannot confidently lead these kids if I'm living in that blind spot. I would rather toe the line of being perceived as arrogant or cocky than be ineffective. It took me a long time and a lot of work. Confidence was a learned skill for me. For those who know me personally, they think I'm an extrovert that was born this way. Good. That's the goal, but it couldn't be farther from the truth. I grew up an introvert that was and still is very uncomfortable with confrontation, with public speaking, with confidently communicating. But if I can come from there to here, so can you, and you should. That's what I got today. Episode 24, Leadership Confidence. I hope it hit home with some people. I hope it opened some eyes to some things, and I hope you take the time to study your own leadership confidence, to figure out how you're perceived, to figure out how your junior sailors are receiving you, to find out if you're confidently delivering the message. Because if you're not, there is no message. Um, I think next we're going to get into effective communication because that's another tool here that uh, these, these episodes and these topics will be very linked. Um, but it's one that I need to get out there. Uh, effective listening and effective communication. So uh, that's what I got this week. I'm really glad I got to get an episode out. I got some other things to do today. This is probably slightly smaller, uh, or slightly smaller. This is probably slightly shorter uh, than most of my other episodes, but it's a topic I wanted to knock out. Uh, it was something that was kind of showing itself to me, especially as I reported to this new command. Uh, know that even as a senior chief, doing this as long as I've been doing it, when you walk in day one at a new command, your confidence is gonna be lower than it was on year three at your previous command, where I was very, very proficient at everything there was to do there. I was very confident in what I had to execute there. And then I'm reporting uh, to a new submarine. It's a platform I've never been on before. It's with a team I've never worked with before. It's with a, you know, a division of, of guys looking at me uh, asking me for my expertise when I've never been on that platform before. So that y your confidence is gonna dip. But the better command you have of all these things, the more you understand leadership confidence, uh, the smaller that tip's gonna be. And be very open to their expertise as well, right? Uh, so that's what I got for you today. Uh, again, if you need anything from me, if you need anything from the team here, uh, get a hold of us. You can message us on Facebook, Don't Give Up The Ship Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at, at DGutsPodcast, 
or you can email us, don't give up the shit podcast at gmail.com. If you got questions, concerns, feedback, ideas, whatever it is, uh, hit us up and I'll get back to you rapidly. It goes right to my phone. Uh, and that's it. That's what I got for you today. See you next. See you very soon with uh, some more content. And don't give up the ship. 